Hi, and welcome to the Indie Music Podcast, the podcast for independent musicians and other audio professionals. We're your hosts. I'm Matt Denton, also known as Mojo of Ragged Birds Music. I'm a Bay Area mix engineer and recording artist. And Douglas Reynolds of Resonance Mastering, a mastering engineer in Bloomington, Illinois. Welcome to Indie Music Podcast, episode 237. Tonight, Matt and Doug get together and talk about loudness and the loudness penalty. They discuss their opinions on loudness and the streaming platforms, their approaches to loudness, and get into a bit of a discussion about broadcast loudness and the Calm Act. Enjoy the show. All right, now I'm recording. I don't know what that was about. What's up? Not much. <laughs> um, yeah, gosh, I almost want to follow up on our last conversation. I'm currently using semi-open backs because my other ones are in the house. Yeah. Um, I did order a second pair of Sony 7506s so I can have one for the studio and one in the house, especially now that I've gone to a, you know, this is silly, but you know, I've gone to a quarter inch extension cord. I want to have that adapter on there permanently attached, uh, which is what I'm using now. So, yeah. And those things are heavy. It sucks to have to carry them out. To well, it's, shred. You know, it's not just that it's that, um, <laughs> I mean, I've been using these things for a decade, right? So I've worn them out. I've dropped them. I've bent the connector. I've broken the connector. I've replaced the jack like twice at least. And uh, it's just not as, the re- the pl- replaced one is just not as uh, happy to be plugged into an adapter as a new one will be. So they're better off in the house. <laughs> and I can have my dedicated studio pair finally. Yeah. Well, I'll get them tomorrow. I kind of like the sound of that dedicated studio pair. Yeah. It's time. It's time. What mic are you on tonight? I'm on the Lewitt. Right. I'm okay. I sound a little different, don't I? Yeah. I feel like, I wonder if I'm talking louder. Well, because of the gin and tonics, but I think I'm talking louder because I sound louder in my open, my semi open backs. Uh, oh, okay. Could be some microphone bleed too. It could be that. Not sure. I mean, I'm just hearing a little bit more room than normal. Yeah. I think your other mic might be a little bit more tighter rejection pattern or something. No, same mic. I think I'm talking louder. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a second. This is that's a zoom thing. That's a zoom thing. You're it's a zoom thing. You're hearing me on my webcam zoom because I didn't update my preferences. After my meetings earlier today. Oh, gotcha. How about now? Oh my God. What a difference. (laughs) What a difference. See, I'm hearing, I'm hearing through logic. I'm hearing the mic that I'm recording on. You were hearing my webcam mic. That's why. Now I can turn my headphones up a little bit. There you go. Wow. (laughs) It makes a huge difference, right? So apparently what you just heard is how I sound in my meetings. I wonder if that's not great. Oh, those poor people. (laughs) (laughs) thankfully i don't have a lot to say in most of those meetings i feel like i have a low level does it sound low no you sound conversational normal to me okay so you you have your new headphones now no they're they'll be here tomorrow no i'm I'm using my spares right now they're my uh uh akg k240s the semi-open backs they're not my favorite but they're they're okay for tracking did you loan out your quarter inch adapter or something? No, no, no. I have the adapter. No, what oh, I'm okay. saying is I had to, re- when I replaced the, uh, when I replaced the, 
the jack on the headphone cord, it's not a Sony jack oh. with the threads. It's oh, I got right. it at the electronics store, and it's not compatible with the you know the 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 lovely yeah, gotcha. stock screw on gold plated quarter inch. Yeah. Jack. Well, that's good because uh, that's one thing you never loan out. Oh, your no. quarter inch. Oh, hundred percent. No, 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 no. I have a um. I have a little a little container of them. <laughs> Just in case, <laughs> I've been collecting them. I keep mine just connected to the cords. Yeah, smart. Screwed on and soldered. Soldered on, <laughs> duct tape. <laughs> it's got wrapped with gorilla tape. <laughs> Never leave. <laughs> it's got a low jack on it. So how you doing? Good, good. I. It's weird because it's not Saturday morning and I'm like, you're already, you've only done it twice on Saturday. You're already used to oh, it. Like, it was just like such a good fit that now it's, this is just, no, I totally so. agree. <laughs> it, it is a good fit. And I'm looking forward to, uh, oh, um, a week from Saturday when we do it again. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So anyway, it's the evening. So kind of a different energy level for me, but yeah, doing good. Yeah. Same. Oh, you know what happened today? I was, <laughs> I was on Twitter and somebody posted about a concert they're going to tonight in LA. And I was like, holy crap, I have a ticket to that concert in San Francisco tomorrow that I forgot was tomorrow. Oh. And I haven't been to a concert since February 2020. And I was like flipping out that I literally almost forgot to go. I didn't put it on my <laughs> calendar because I kind of figured there was a better than 50% chance that it would get canceled or rescheduled. Um, so I didn't write it down. And uh, who are you going to see? I'm going to see King Buffalo, who I like a lot. They're an East Coast band. They don't make it to the West Coast that often. I did see them in San Francisco uh, two years ago. Um, great band. You would like them. I'll send you a link. They're kind of progressive, heavy stuff. If you like, I don't know, if you want to, they're kind of like a cross between tool and rush or king crimson or something they're they're very wow but they're meditative it's very interesting stuff i love them <laughs> king buffalo king buffalo i shall look them up so we got a topic we do have a topic and you came up with a topic and you came up with it so fast when i asked you that i you feel always like ask me what the topic is i know but sometimes you're like ah, i don't know but this time you came you were like boom here's the topic and i was like oh this must well, that's because I have come up because of some reason that spurred it. Well, I pirated my next TikTok video idea. I was like, oh, what the heck? I'll still do the TikTok one too. But, and I actually wondered well, if that was the reason. You know, it, <laughs> I sent you the uh, video link to Shep's talking about gain staging and right. stuff, yep. which is not our topic. But, but he talks a lot about. The loudness wars, if you've ever watched any of his videos and stuff, and and how he won the loudness wars, and that's it, it's over, you know. And <laughs> I've watched a lot of his videos, I've actually never heard one. him talk about the loudness wars. Oh, there's a good video out there of him talking about it. And, oh, I'll look for it. And he's like, Yeah, so it's over, I won, done, you know. <laughs> uh, Andrew Sheps is actually one of my favorite producers, mixers. Yeah, yeah, he's cool. He's just fun to listen to because he just has such a he just has such a great way of putting things and just he's so gregarious and just kind of like yeah he'll tell you anything just ask him he'll just lay it all out there he yeah. doesn't care <laughs> yeah but I don't know I don't know what the deal is but like scrolling through Instagram today I saw 
all of the loudness penalties listed. Really? And where your where your luffs levels are supposed to be for all the different platforms. And I have come across other people talking about loudness and in the context of loudness penalty. Yeah. And you know, whenever I hear that, I just am like, that's such BS. It is. But we were um, sold that bill of goods there for a little while. Yeah. And, you know, and I have done a, a bunch of my own research. I have looked through and read through docs from every platform. And I can't find anywhere that they say that iTunes, you need to be, you know, you need to deliver your music to us at negative 16 lefts. Right. And Spotify negative 14 or negative 12 for Spotify loud, whatever, you know, and... And in fact, in the Apple documentation, they're like, whether you want your music, you know, to be the loudest rock, you know, uh, you know, or the quietest concerto or whatever, <laughs> right? that's up to you. That's your artistic freedom. Yeah. That's what the music is saying that it needs, you know, and uh, no matter what that is, master your music or, you know, whatever, mix and master your music to the loudness that opens up the creative vision that you have for that music, you know? Yeah. And nowhere do they say, and then in the end, make sure it's negative 16 lefts. Right. All they say is make sure it's not clipping. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and pretty basic. Sheps was talking about gain staging and you and I had that conversation. And I'm not a gain stager. I'm quoting air quotes right now. <laughs> you know, I can see the air quotes. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Air quoting gain stager. I think gain's important and getting some kind of initial setup is good. And, and I'm more concerned with getting a good level in the air of my studio so that I'm listening at, at a consistent level throughout my entire work process. And when it deviates from that, then I, I go and I, I changed my volume knob, you know, or whatever. I, I just try to keep that listening level the same. But yeah, well, gain staging is different. If you're mastering, you have a two track or you have multiple two tracks. Well, you don't, I've got, I mean, I've got gain level at every point of processing. Right. But that's not, that's not the same as if you have like, you know, 50 different tracks of vocals, drums and guitar, and you have to make sure that each one of those isn't clipping. And when they blend, they're not clipping, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same thing though. I just don't have as many tracks, but I, I have. I have two tracks. So I got a stereo track. So it's like two of your mono tracks. And then I've got my plugins and outboard gear and everywhere that it touched, you know, starting from the channel track all the way through to the master bus and anything that's in between mm -hmm. has gain involved, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, so you could certainly set it up in, in a, and go, I'm going to gain stage this. And so I'm going to, and set this up. So, but the way I look at it is I just started in the first, part of processing which is at the track level and i if i don't have headroom i create headroom right and i just go from there you know but in the end and back to a topic is that i'm not shooting for a luffs level at all ever until i start getting an idea where it's actually coming in at and then i start zeroing in on it a little bit mm -hmm. but i'm i'm seeing how loud i can get this track to an optimum loudness level, which which is I want it to be at uh, at a level that's going to probably be about negative two to um, negative point two to negative point three true peak. Right. And if 
the listeners don't really understand what true peak is when when digital audio is converted to analog there is an increase in level as a result of that process and if you go over that go over zero in that case then you'll get clipping and so keeping track of your but don't forget to true- define clipping clipping is when a waveform is actually chopped off at the yeah. knees basically and there's two different kinds of of clipping there's there's on sample and intersample clipping right and intersample clipping is what we're looking at That's with the one true peak. Get you. yeah and so basically yeah you've got a waveform where it rounds off the top and comes back down um intersample clipping will cut the top curve off your off that wave you end up with a square wave, okay? And we all know that that sounds great on guitar, distorted, you know, <laughs> right. but not on a master. But not on not on your tracks. So, so really, what all these platforms, or it's not the platform, sorry, but all these articles and and this sorry garbage that we've been fed for <laughs> you know years here, um, ought to say is don't worry about your luffs level, but be concerned about clipping and then produce your music at the loudness that your music needs to be produced at. That's the best loudness for your music. Well, yeah, that should be a bumper sticker or a t-shirt, but well, I mean, what I just said wouldn't <laughs> fit on a, you'd have to use a whole bumper, but <laughs> a big bumper, <laughs> big ass bumper, a big ass <laughs> bumper, but okay. So the loudness wars though, they're real. I think they're over, but they're real. And they were mostly on CD and they were basically when somebody first realized how that they could, you know, squash the the waveform to the point where it was almost like a, it looks, you know, it looks like a caterpillar or whatever, instead of a bunch of peaks. Um, yeah. And, um, and they kind of figured out that the more limiting and compression, the, the louder your CD would sound next to the next CD, and then it would sound better because the way that psychoacoustics work, and we always think the louder sounds better until it's too loud, and... And that was a real thing for a while. And then everybody was kind of chasing the whole, let's make it as loud as possible. And you have Skrillex and all that crap. And then there was kind of like the backlash to that. Okay, let's go back to dynamic range. And one of the big proponents of, uh, you know, anti-loudness wars and pro-dynamic range, of course, was uh, Ian Shepard, who's a mastering engineer out of UK. And he actually has a website called loudnesspenalty.com where you can run your tracks through and it will tell you in theory how much these streaming services will turn down theoretically your music track uh, to match the other tracks based on its algorithm based on the luffs or peaks of your of your <laughs> of your track right. this is all kind of unconfirmed and yeah but and here's the no deal inside, You're there's in a no pool. seeing inside the black box you know you're in a pool and everybody else is getting turned down too. Right. So, that's my point. There's, you know, what's competitive about that? Nothing. So, or everything. On streaming platforms, there is no loudness war. Okay. <laughs> because, but you can sound louder than another track at the same Luffs val- uh, volume if you are creative with perceived volume. Right. So there's other things you can do there. Which there's a lot of complaints now about music today in 2021 is too bright. Okay. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And pop music is very bright. Yep. And uh, so a lot of that is 
mastering to perceived loudness. So there's a whole another thing going on with that right now too. But well, that's interesting. Yeah. And that's probably a lot of that has to do with, you know, well, I wonder if that's, I wonder if some of that is a reaction to EDM being so bass heavy and then pop being a little brighter to get that sheen on the vocal, but also to have the, uh, to have the bass not override the, like overdrive the compression to, uh, to turn down the, the brightness. And, uh, well, that it cuts through loud environments as well. Yeah. The pop, the way that that, that's mastered it. It's able to be listened to in you're working out, you got your headphones on or your earbuds, uh, you're in public, you know, you're uh, walking around on the, on the streets and traffic noise and everything else. Right. It's easier to hear it, you know, so. I don't know. I still feel like mid-range is king in my world. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with that at all. It's just that mid-range will get, you get on a city street and, yeah. and you're going to kind of lose that which is to my point of things being brighter are able to ease they're perceived louder you know those those frequencies cut through more but they're also perceived as being too bright i think yeah i agree i can't listen to that for an extended period of time gives me a headache yeah yeah that's yeah that those high frequencies wear you out sooner they're fatiguing as they say yeah now to to your point about CDs and loudness on CDs and stuff, you don't really have the issue with intersample clipping with CDs like you do like in digital. So digital audio converters, I mean, they you still do that on CD, but it's CD audio. And so it's already different. But yeah. to that point, though, there's a reason that there's a whole lot of catalog remastering going on. Right now of a lot of the stuff that was recorded and uh and and produced in the in the early 1990s um and they really didn't have an understanding of how digital was going to react with with the conversions to analog and things like that and really they were just going for it that it was just mastering as loud as we could get it and and that it didn't sound as good as it could, you know, it actually it was subpar in a lot of recordings uh, that weren't done well. That's interesting that you say that. Cause I want to disagree and say that it wasn't until the two thousands that the real kind of pushing the envelope of CD loudness happened. And I think that a lot of stuff in the nineties was still very much analog based and then thrown onto a CD. And if you look at the waveforms, cause like I, I think I said before, I, I spent a long time ripping a lot of my, cds to to mp3s and if i ever drag those into my daw and i look at the waveform they are super quiet compared to anything that came later anything that compared that came in the the 2000s which is basically bricked but anything in the 1990s or or earlier was is very much a lot of dynamic range well a lot of that stuff came over from vinyl which is already mastered quiet to begin with because of the vinyl medium could be, yeah. Um, but the, and not on CD. I'm talking about when, in the in the early digital music platforms. Okay. So what in the in the mid '90s, those recordings, those masters were nowhere near the quality uh, that we have today as a result of clipping and you know just poorly, not really poorly recorded, but poorly processed, mixed, and mastered. 
commercial tracks that really weren't good. And anyhow, that carried on into the into the early 2000s and stuff like that too. I think it started improving you know, at a point when the tools, you know, Pro Tools got better right. and and matured more, and people started understanding more about how conversion worked, and converters got better, right, and things like that. But <laughs> people still love to tell horror stories about DAT, <laughs> ADAT, yeah, and certain certain digital formats that were kind of like interim you know, in, in between analog and digital that were supposed to be the next big thing, but never kind of like the Betamax of, of audio. <laughs> it just never really, that they were finicky and, and problematic and never really caught on. And yeah, I hear a lot. Of, <laughs> I hear a lot of horror stories about that stuff. Yeah. I guess what, anyway, the, I want, I just wanted to know where the word penalty came from in that because everybody made it sound like it was going to not just turn you down, but it was going to make your music sound bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's just simply loudness because if it's quieter, it doesn't sound as good or at least it doesn't stack up or it, or it seems amateur in comparison to the commercial stuff. What I find is that the stuff that was kind of like at CD level, you know, minus 10, minus 12, all the way down to minus eight, um, sounds better on streaming than the stuff that you know, anybody who was uh kind of uh, strong-armed or or I don't want to say <laughs> I don't want to say bullied but kind of like frightened into making stuff, you know, minus 14, minus 16. Uh yeah. that's just, just it doesn't stand up. It doesn't it doesn't no. compare to the stuff that was already sounding good on a on at CD levels, you know, minus yeah. 8 to minus 10. I mean, I went through a period where I was drinking the Kool-Aid and I was providing negative 12, negative 14 and negative 16 lefts masters for every song that I was doing. And, you know, so that they could distribute, you know, you distribute this one here to YouTube and Spotify loud. And, and this one here is going to be for Spotify and, and like your website or whatever. And, and then this one here is, is, iTunes. Yeah, I was doing the same. I saw here's your minus twelve, which I think sounds great. And if you want to put one on Spotify, here's your minus fourteen. And that yeah. was kind of that. I, I agree. That was kind of the Kool Aid because that was kind of what we were being fed by supposed authorities in the field, people who supposedly know. Hey, this is what's going to happen to you if you don't turn your your stuff down. It's going to get penalized if yeah. it goes on Spotify. Well, I just for the last two years, I decided to to flip that whole idea off. And, uh, and I just been mastering to the loudness, the song just organically ends up at, and it's just a matter you kind of get there, you work it and Mm -hmm. you go back and you, oh, this, you know, this input's a little bit hot. I'm going to bring that down a little bit, but now I got a little bit more headroom so I can bump the output on this one up just a little bit. And you're making these, these gain changes, you know, all along your chain. And I kind of go back and forth and. And tweak everything until I kind of get to the end. And uh, I just got done with a, like a, it was a, a metal, an instrumental metal track that just got released recently. That was negative 5.4 wow. luffs. <laughs> and, and it sounds great on Spotify. It just got turned down, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's no worse than turning the volume down on something. Right. But, you know, but it, the energy was still there. And 
I didn't do that to be competitive. I didn't do that to uh, for any loudness war reason or anything like that. I did that because that's where I could take the music. That's where I yeah. had the headroom in that song to to get there, and uh, without having to brick wall it with a limiter. Really, I try to avoid brick walling where I can. I kind of let that. I'll let it touch a little bit, but if possible and genre dependent, you know, I try to yeah. keep keep the limiter action light as possible. But yeah, I like to say program dependent. But yeah, you know, here's what's funny about all this: the whole this whole kind of like you know, it's like FUD, you know, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. It's like this whole kind of idea that, oh, you better do this or you better do that. And and kind of forgetting that this whole, there was decades of terrestrial radio, right? I mean, it's still terrestrial radio, but all of that music goes through a huge amount of processing to make sure that it all sounds right. And it's at the same level. I mean, there's, there's no way that a Buffalo Springfield track from the late 1960s is going to be at the same volume level as a Metallica track recorded in the late 90s or early 2000s. There's no way. They have to go through a bunch of processing so that it all sounds like you don't have to adjust your radio volume every two seconds, every song. It, yeah. it, it's always been that way, and it's just been... It's been thrown out there for, for streaming services because people are producing their own stuff now. Here's some guidelines for you. But yeah. they're just they're guidelines, and they're not real. They're just kind of somebody's best guess, and they're today's information, and they're not, it's not gospel. The radio engineers I've, I've talked to about this type of thing, there's just the radio equipment, the broadcast equipment mm-hmm. that they're using to – there's just inherent compression in – the broadcast amplification, sure, and, you know, and the and the process of sending that signal out and the radio waves and everything else that goes with it. Well, that's where all that stuff was invented in the early, yeah. you know, twentieth century to for radio and for the military and for telephone, and it was to make sure that stuff could carry a long way and sound, you know, presentable and you could understand what people were saying, and it just kind of evolved from there. So yeah, no longer drinking the Kool Aid, I guess you know. <laughs> You know, and I've been a lot happier the last two years. Yeah, because it's not as much work, uh, you know, and it's and it's actually better for the music. Yeah, it goes back to making it sound good and not like yeah conforming to some standard that's imaginary or looking for a number. Right. Have you ever listened to? I mean, I don't know if you've ever flipped back and forth and heard the same song on two different radio stations. Like oh, a rock, sure. like a rock station versus an alternative station. Versus yeah, maybe a, not at the same time. Versus that's... A clack. I I have long enough to go. Oh wait, that song sounds a lot different on this other station. Like some stations will like really pump up the bass a little more than other stations. I mean, it's it's interesting when you start thinking about what processing music goes through. They're not just throwing on a record and playing it straight. They're really putting it through a bunch of processing to kind of colorize it. Like, man, I keep hitting my thing to color it so that it sounds like almost like the personality of that radio station. Yeah. It's like rock 107. Exactly. You know, you know, and, or, uh, you know, pop 101. We're bringing it. Yeah. 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 Exactly that. <laughs> Every radio station has a personality and, and their, their processing kind of reflects that. And I don't know if that's how much on purpose that is or how much that is based on here's our catalog. Here's what we have to do to make it all sound like it's in the same ballpark. Or here's our audience. Here's what we want to put forth to make 
to draw them in. I don't know how much is which. I don't I don't have any insight into that, but I do know there's a difference. If you listen to the same song. I've never been in a radio station before, into the engineering room of a radio station. Yeah. I have seen one before, um, wasn't able to go in, but I left nose prints and stuff. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> you, you, you left your breath on the window. Yeah, <laughs> drew a smiley face. But yeah, I, so what they're doing and what the equipment they have there, you know, there's uh, actually, and I have some friends in broadcast that don't know anything about engineering. So a lot of times, I think the DJs really probably have someone else in the studio with them. Yeah, who's doing the engineering part? But I don't really know Most anybody likely. that has worked in radio engineering other than we've got a couple of friends on Twitter that I've talked to about it and stuff like that. And I do have some contacts. I would be curious to ask them, but I don't know exactly what I would ask, but it would be interesting to kind of have that conversation. Yeah. I know some people that worked in AM. Oh yeah. I always have to ask him if they stop talking when they go under bridges. (laughs) Oh, AM. That's such an old joke. Good times. <laughs> I, I don't know if I've listened to AM since the since I was in like fifth grade. Oh, just go do it. Well, that's not true. I've listened I dare, to some, oh, listen I've listened everybody. To some, like, yeah, since you're done games, with this podcast, you go listen to some AM radio. Drive around <laughs> if you can find a channel. Right. I've li- yeah, baseball games. That's kind of it. NPR maybe. Yeah. No, I don't either. But I think I think okay. So I think that the loudness wars are kind of over. I think that the 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 loudness penalty is a bunch of BS, <laughs> and I think that you should uh, make it equivalent to other commercial stuff and just make it sound good and not worry so much about the numbers. That's yeah. kind of my feeling. Yeah, mine too. I you know go to the. Uh, it treated as an artistic element and and stick with serving the music and not serving the the platforms or the right. or what what the media hype is telling you that uh, that was really weird you know that it just so many people I talked to and just every everybody in like producer groups and stuff like that you know was was doing the same thing yeah and. Everybody's really weird. Well, what do you think, man? I mean, you know, got him like at uh, negative twelve point nine. Should I should I try to get this to negative fourteen? You know, I, right. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like, I know. Oh my God, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. They want to make it matter, but it doesn't matter. So anyway, that's why I brought that up. <laughs> I, I think we're on the same page there. I think that. Uh, well, damn it! I was hoping for a good argument. I know. Well, we had a little argument there at one point, but <laughs> I, um, yeah. I mean, we both drank the Kool Aid at some point, and we both overcame it. And I think that some people are out there still drinking the Kool Aid. It's it's in the tools, you know. I see, you know, you know, if you go to Ozone and you 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 know, it asks you, do you want to do a CD or do you want to do streaming, and it'll it'll change the Luff's target, and that's just kind. Of, it's built into some of the tools now. It's kind of yeah. it's that it's pervasive, but. You know, and and Spotify will tell you, hey, we're gonna turn your stuff down if it's too loud or whatever. But you know what? If it's if it's well mixed and well mastered, you won't notice because it'll still sound the same next to everything else because it it will just sound like itself. 
they have to level match everything or else you'll be turning the dial up and down constantly. Same as terrestrial radio. It's, it's, it, it's putting too much emphasis on something that was always there is what I think. Yeah. You know, the only time it really matters is for broadcast. So like, uh, EBU or Mm -hmm. AES standards. And those are related to the call Mac, which is the law and right in broadcast. And so, I won't get into that really, but well, no, let's get into that briefly because I only, I was reading the manual for, uh, our mutual, one of our mutual favorite plugins, which is the Yulian loudness meter and, um, saw that it actually has different standard settings and the, the default is EBU. And I'm like, Oh, I really didn't even know that there were different ones to choose from. Do you use the EBU? European broadcast union. Right. Is that the one that you have it set to pretty much? No, no. That would be if you're going to be, you know, normally would be, you're going to actually be sending music order that's going to be broadcast in Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, So like AES standards, um, what is it? Like the, they call it like the dash three or there's a a 1770 standard. Mm -hmm. So you kind of got to get an idea of what the end broadcast is going to use, but you, you're safe if you use like the AES standards and EBU probably you find too. They're, they're real close. Yeah. Like some of the differences are like uh, the amount of room you can have between your average and your peak need to be within like, like in one of these need to be within like um, six dB mm. of each other. I can't exceed that. And then like negative uh, 24 bluffs is uh, needs to be here average but there's other things that come into play it gets really complex like a spe- not so much in the stuff that i do but if you're doing like a let's say like it's it's more of a a film and uh-huh. you've got a lot of dialogue sections but then you've got a lot of of like action scenes okay. that come back into dialogue and stuff well it really limits your ability to get really loud in the action scenes because it can't by these standards exceed those peaks and stuff and which has been a real drawback as far as the call Mac is concerned. And when they wrote it, I don't think, I think the general consensus is, is that they didn't take more into consideration than the fact of what they were trying to do, which is keep commercials from being too loud on the, on the TV when you're or radio, you know, from compared to the, uh, the regular program. Yep. And, but that law was not written well, and it actually trickles over into all kinds of other stuff too. Huh. Well, that's interesting. But it's a good law. I mean, I certainly remember that's been in effect for quite a while. I don't remember the the year, but that was that in the 90s probably, I think. Late 90s or early 2000s. And, well, I want to say the commercials are still louder than the programs. <laughs> and it came out of California. Yeah. It was a, a senator, I think, in I, California. Yes, you're right. I think I remember that. And who was just tired of really loud commercials. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, God, I want to say it was like Nancy Pelosi or somebody. I'm not sure. I can't remember, but yeah, anyway, so the call Mac came out of that. And then these standards uh, were developed for loudness for broadcast. And, and so, you know, and then those things that you see like in, in Yulene, well, I haven't used that in a long time. It makes me nostalgic. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> that, was a, that was a great first free metering plugin. Um, yeah, totally. Did you end up buying a license for that one? Uh, you know what? I didn't. I just still use the free one. But I okay. mean, I have so many other meters that 
it's just one of the meters that I use. It's just the one that I look at the most. So yeah, you get to know a meter and then it does what it, you know, if it does what it, right. what you need it to, then why change, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Was it the calm act you're thinking of? Yeah. CA 2010. Yeah. Was it 2010? Yeah. So that's, I'm looking it up right now. 2010. Yeah. I guess you're right. I thought that there was a standard change in 2010, but maybe actually the call Mac was in 2010 and then the standard change was in like 2015 or something. Uh, 2012. Yeah. It was California Congresswoman Anna issue. And I don't know. I don't remember her, but good for her. Yeah. I think the latest, latest AES standard is, is not that old. It's, Somewhere around 2015 or 2016 or something like that. It feels like progress. Yeah, you know, but I do miss the. Uh, I miss, do miss the, miss the really loud uh, um, <laughs> national anthem coming on at like two o'clock in the morning. But uh, yeah, I, I I miss Cal Worthington and his dog Spot. <laughs> like, oh my god, turn that down. <laughs> oh yeah, good stuff. So yeah, anyway, I think we covered that. Yep. <laughs> don't worry about the quote unquote loudness penalty. You're not getting penalized. Make your song sound good. Make it commercial levels. Don't look at the numbers too much, but also don't brick wall it. <laughs> Unless the music needs it. Yeah. I'm not against brick walling. It's a good tool. It's a good tool. Yeah. It's a good technique. It just, uh, for certain genres. Yeah. Like anything else. Uh, you got to use it appropriately. Yeah. It has that, it has a distinctive sound to it, you know, and you, you chop the transients off and crunch it all together. Yeah. It sounds good on distorted guitars, like smashing pumpkins. Yeah. Otherwise I'm more of a soft clipper kind of guy. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, well there hey, you have it. There you have it. Good to talk to you on a weeknight again. You too. Thanks everybody for listening, tuning in and listening to us ramble on about audio. <laughs> yes. Listeners. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> well, that wraps up another episode of the Indie Music Podcast. Please like and subscribe, share with your friends, or just leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you've heard. Find our social links and episode guide at IndieMusicCast.com. Until next time, keep creating. <laughs>